They say that L.A. will drop into the sea Tumbling down where the coastline does curve The east coast, they look down upon the west Say the bastards will get what they surely deserve So can I get you to do a mic check for me? Just say your name and who you are and all that good uh, stuff. Hello, folks. Um, talking from Kaiserslautern, Germany. Well, first of all, Tyler, congratulations on second place at second edition World Championship. That is an impressive feat. Did you have fun? I did. I did. Um, meeting the Americans and the Australians and the Austrians, all these guys I hadn't met before, it was really a great time. So, just a couple questions um, so everybody can get to know you a little bit. You are... Are you an American citizen living in Germany, or do you have dual citizenship, or what is the story there, the, the short version of Tyler Fultz? So. Um, I'm an American living in Germany. Um, I'm a lieutenant in the U.S. Air Force. Um, I work in logistics. Um, I did a six-month stint in Iraq a while back, so uh, there's a, a funny moment when I was playing a Skype game with one of the Australians, and he says, you know, where are you? Because your location says Germany, you're an American, but your Skype account says you're in Iraq. <laughs> <laughs> so, you, yeah, excellent. Well, first of all, thank you for serving our country and helping to keep us all safe so we can play Star Trek. That is awesome of you to do that. Thank you. So. No, no, it, it's my So, let's talk about Worlds in Germany. Um, how how cool was it that Worlds was in Germany? I mean, t- tell me what your thoughts were from when you found out that it was going to be in Germany all the way through experiencing it. Oh, it was. I mean, it's perfect um, because you know, Worlds. It's always been in America. It's always been in, in rough. As long as I can remember, it's been at Gen Con or CypherCon. Um, so the people who were able to go to Worlds was always a relatively concentrated group geographically. Um, and, and I felt like the guys in Europe were always getting sort of second tier treatment anyway. So, so it was nice to, it was nice to see Worlds come over and, and really bring everybody together. Um, and some of the player groups here in Europe even don't come out as much as they, as much as we would like as Germans, anyway. Um, so it was nice to hold a big event that would bring them out and, and get to meet everybody. How did World Championship 2010 compare to European Championship 2009 in terms of attendance and the level of competition and all of that? Uh, well, 2009 I can't speak to due to that uh, Iraq vacation, but uh, 2008. Um, it was, it was slightly smaller, but, but, you know, same format and a lot of the same people. Um, this was just, this was just bigger and better, I think, all around. Yeah, I'm jealous that I couldn't go, but I, 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 54 people playing 2E was, was huge, and I guess there was something like 70 people there, 70 different people there throughout the weekend, so obviously an unqualified success in terms of the event. So I know you were a part of that. Congratulations on all that. So you 
judged the first edition world championship, did you not? I did. How did that come about? Well, um, initially I was going to play in the first edition world championship. I hadn't played in years, but I thought it would be a good idea to, to get in the mix and try it out just for fun. I had an old uh, Vidian deck with uh, some Jim'Hadar shrouding on the side that I wanted to play, just as sort of a diversion. Um, but then, lo and behold, the uh, the first edition rules committee came out. Uh, I guess the September CRD, <laughs> and it ratted all the cards that I needed, or banned all the cards that I needed for my deck. So at that point, um, I offered to judge first edition world for the Tomahawks, and um, Sebastian Kirstein had been scheduled to do it, and he really wanted to play. I know so. so Sebastian gladly gave it up and decided to play and let me struggle my way through judging. So tell us about that event. I mean, there, it hasn't had as much coverage as, as Two E's Worlds has. Can you give us, you know, a little bit of information about what was there and what was played and how it went for all our first edition fans out there? Sure. Um, well, we had 12 people, um, all of which were either Austrian or German. Um, well, Alexander Schmidt's kind of American, but we, we won't get into that. Um, and, uh, so it was kind of embarrassing when I got there to judge and everybody else was speaking German and, and I couldn't, but, uh, <laughs> so, uh, Thomas vouched for me and they all spoke English, which was really, uh, nice of them. Um, as far as what everybody was playing, um, first edition games are, are so much more jumbled than, than second edition. It, it seemed like everybody's deck had at least three different affiliations running around in it. You know, there'd be a Telic or more thrown into everybody's deck, or, um, you know, time location, mirror toss people off to the side. Uh, there was an awful lot of the, um, is it, uh, Sherman's Planet? Deck. Yeah, the original series. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like Pike's Peak going on there. So people would be, People would be doing mirror things off of one side, and then they would have sort of their main alpha quadrant attempters, which varied from Cardassians to Ferengi to, I think I saw some Bajorans in there. Um, and, and so they would be doing whatever they'd be doing in the alpha quadrant, and occasionally there'd be some delta quadrant going on too. Um, I saw, I only saw one Battlebridge side deck. Uh, so multiple triple side decks. Uh, most everybody seemed to be playing a Q tent. Um, there, there were still referee cards going on, um, despite the, despite the new bands. But, uh, it seemed like, it seemed like the referee cards were getting confused sort of offensively more than they were used defensively. Uh, I saw an awful lot of access denied getting thrown out along with the Kobayashi Maru scenario. Uh, so there was some of that computer skill denial engine stuff going on. Gotcha. So it it doesn't seem like, looking at the, the results, that there was... It wasn't like all 12 people were playing Delta Quadrant. It, it, I, mean, I know a Delta Quadrant deck won, but it, it seems like there was at least some decent different decks there than, than people were expecting. Yeah, the, not... 
not nearly as much belt squadron as I think people were expecting. Uh, and I think that's probably a result of that September um, CRD. Well, I, I know the goal behind... I, I know that there's been some controversy behind that CRD and, and, and peak performance, and, and we can touch on that in a bit. But I know the goal is to simply level the playing field because Delta Quadrant has been so dominating in first edition play for so long. The, the the idea was to at least give the Alpha Quadrant affiliations a chance. And it seems like even though a Delta Quadrant deck won, a lot of people thought that the other decks might have a chance. So I think that was a success. Um, what was the vibe of the players there? Did they Were they having fun? Were they annoyed? Were they unhappy, happy? Did you get any sense of that at all? Or? Uh, yeah, they all seem to be having fun. Um, they, uh, <laughs> I think the first edition players, they're much more in touch with their check sense. So, so when they do silly stuff, you know, like play triples on missions, you know, or go to a time location, that, that's fun. And, and when they get to ask me, you know, silly questions about what happens with nemesis icons, you know, <laughs> That was fun too. So I think I think everybody had a lot of fun with first. What what rules question did you get asked that caused you the most pain? Was the the most difficult for you to answer? Um, most of them I could answer pretty directly from the glossary. Um, the one uh, the one I'm not really sure whether I ruled correctly on was uh, Krell Mostet. A lot of people were using him. And the question was whether you could draw his two cards before playing a Cardassian. Um, and, and I ruled that that was okay. Um, maybe it wasn't. Well, that's something to have the rules guys to look at. I know there's a lot of... Con- that is one of the things that 2E does, I think, clearly better than 1E, is, is the timing of when you can use what in 2E is, is much more clear than it is in 1st edition. So. Oh, definitely. I mean, the order keyword alone makes things uh, easier. So, all in all, you had a good time with first edition, and it, it was a success. Yeah, yeah, I think I think it was. So, I uh, one of the questions that uh, I was asked to ask you was: Was there anything that you experienced while judging your first edition games that made you go, "Oh, I wish we had something like that in two E"? Is there is there anything from one E? Two E is missing. In your opinion, uh, you know, uh, I can't think of of much. Uh, but the one thing I did see in first edition uh, that translated, I guess, to the second edition experience was was all the cluttering of the table. Um, you know, it, I don't know if you saw some of the pictures on the message board, but first edition players were sort of a, a just a big pile of cards in their their core area. Um, and I'm afraid that the the rituals are sort of moving that mentality to second edition. So and that's something I'd like to see looked at, just keeping the table clean. Absolutely. Okay, so let's let's talk about the rituals. It was a good transition. Uh, were they in everybody's deck that you saw? Uh, not everybody's, but I think. I think the top players knew that there was no reason not to include three copies of all of them. Um, and, and even now, I, I thought 
I thought that I could get away with not including um, the tree ritual in my Maquis deck, and it ended up screwing me in the game. Um, so at this point, I, I think the top the top players know, and everyone else is at least somewhat aware that there's no reason not to play three of each copy of the ritual, especially with how you can make Whisper in the Dark and Sylvia and all those dilemmas cheaper. So, let me ask you a follow-up question then. Is that something that needs to be eroded, or is that something that can be adjusted through introducing new anti-event cards in future expansions? Um... I, 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 and keep keeping in mind that it's only been less than a week since Worlds, and you may not have a, a, a you know perfectly scientific answer. But what I mean, what are your thoughts? I mean, is it is it so degenerative for the game that it needs to be fixed now, or is it something that can be addressed through more cards, not necessarily like Zero Hour, but in the same vein of Zero Hour, where it's like, oh, you're running a bunch of events. Here's something bad that's going to happen to you. Well, I think the, the idea of the rituals was that, you know, lots of people would run them so that abusive strategies would get curtailed or, or taken off the table. Um, and the rituals are succeeding at that right now, but at the cost of cluttering up the core and just aesthetically and, and making cards like Founder, Architect, and Croesus more powerful than I think they should be. Um, and I think just making the rituals unique would be a much easier solution than trying to design sort of a counter cycle of cards to the stuff that was in Necessary Evil to encourage the use of events, which I think we do want. Okay, fair enough. So, what did you play on day one? Um, uh, Maquis. Okay, how did that, obviously you made day two, but how did, was it the same deck you played at? European Continentals, or variations on the theme, or how did it work? Uh, pretty much the same deck. Uh, I added the Ritual, or I added the Tea Ritual, um, I added Tam Elbrin, um, and I added, oh, I added this side of Paradise, since it works so well with Eight Legendary Civilization. Um, dilemma file-wise, I had to put in a lot more skill dilemmas. Um, I finally took out, like, old differences, um, and, uh, I took out the clown, uh, don't come back or whatever it is. Go away. Um, yeah. Yeah, clown go away and put in, um, just all the, all the new skill based stuff. Did so, that, did that help you versus any legacy decks? Did you run into any legacy decks? I ran into one legacy deck, the checks were running an awful lot of legacy stuff. Um, and it served them pretty well. Um, yeah, so I ran into one legacy deck against Yurko Pasca, um, which was a relatively close game. He uh, he was just able to he was able to get me at a point where he knew I only had one seal dilemma on top of my deck, so he could just sit at his headquarters and build up while I bumped against missions and wasn't able to do anything. Because you know you get legacy over and over, you can't shuffle your dilemma pile. That there's nothing you can do. So that's where the the tree ritual would have helped you. Yeah, yeah, because I could have shuffled up and at least had a shot. So is is obviously 
day two you played Talknor. Is, is there a reason you didn't play that deck on day one? Is, was it what was the thought there? Well, uh, I knew the Talknor deck was more powerful than my key. I've been playing test games uh, just here at home. And I knew that Tarakonor was one of the few decks that could get past on my key. Um, and I figured that's what Neil Simmons and maybe a couple other players would be running after European. Um, so I played my key on day one because I knew they were good, and having my two buys from Europeans, I, I figured they were good enough to, to make day two. What was the cutoff point? Was it five and three, or was it even six and two? How How... How did the? Uh, how many wins did you need to make day two, for sure? Yeah, you had you had to go five and three with full wins. Um, like Katie, for instance, uh, she had she was four and three with a time win and didn't make it. So, so you you really had to have the full full uh, eighteen victory points to to get in the top six. Okay, and and you came in at at what what place did you come in? Uh, third. Third. Okay. So, what did you see throughout? I mean, you, you only played six games because you had the two buys. During your six games, what did you run into? Like, was it all the same thing, or was it a nice spread of different decks? How did you t- sort of give us the your point of view on what you played against? My day one experience was, was very bland. I played five Starfleet Archer decks. Okay. Uh, and one Toss deck. Um, so, um, Starfleet is one of the better matchups against Maquis, uh, so, yeah, that was just five, five couple games in a row trying to contend with Archer. Uh, luckily, not everybody had learned the Sean Hawkins, uh, Protect Archer secret yet, so that helped me out in a couple games, but, uh, but yeah, all those Starfleet decks are really tough. So, I know there were 12 Starfleet decks out of 54, but if you ran into five of them, the math seems to indicate they were all doing fairly well, at least. So, is is Starfleet too good? Um, I think Starfleet is very good, but I, I don't think that's necessarily the problem with Starfleet. The problem with Starfleet is that it's going to... The way Archer is written, and with Sean Hawkins, no, it's going to destroy diversity of dilemma piles. Um, just like people are saying that Tarek Nordak is going to is going to force people into playing, you know, only one deck to counter it. Well, this is going to force Starfleet is going to force people into playing only one dilemma pile to counter Archer, and that's sort of a skill based, uh, semi legacy kind of kind of pile. Tragic turn. Um, tech, or try to turn, and to a certain degree, tactical is just down the tubes. So your concern isn't necessarily that Starfleet is, you know, using the broken word, but that it's it's going to flatten the game into everybody's running the same dilemma pile to beat it. Right. Is is some degree of that? Obviously, we don't want everybody running the same thing, but. One of the points of of Archer was to almost force a shift in dilemma strategy away from. I mean, prior to Jonathan Archer, there wasn't really a reason not to run a heavy tragic turn kill pile, at least in pairing with some of the more 
the bigger decks, the decks that need a little bit of time to get going. And efforts to slow that down by giving you more weapons against it met with debatable amounts of success. So Archer was meant to make it so that playing those would be riskier. It is... Is that a bad goal, then, or is it just too good at that goal? Uh, it's just a little too good, because, un- you know, Rega serves the same purpose, but Rega's got a, a, a prohibitive cost that that makes it so that when your opponent plays a non-skill-based dilemma against you, you still have to do something. Um... Archer, on the other hand, just says, okay, those cards you have are useless, because you can't get rid of Archer, and, you know, I'm always going to be in the Delphic Expanse. So, I-, I think Archer needs to have some sort of cost beyond just being in the Delphic Expanse. Uh, um, so that, as John Corr was saying, the dilemmas that you're drawing aren't just blank against a particular opponent. Well, is is Rega the really the best comparison for Archer? I would think he would be more compared to Wariness, which doesn't give you a cost. It doesn't require a cost either. Well, but but Wariness's setup cost is very very high. Uh, Archer's setup cost is is negligible. All right, that, that's a fair enough point. So, it is would adding a cost to Archer bring Starfleet down in line with everybody else, and what cost would you put on him if you were in charge of making that decision? Um, I've been thinking about that, and I think discarding an equipment would, would be the thing. Because the Starfleet players are already playing Trillium, and they're already playing Vulcan Tricorder. Um, and I think having Archer encourage the thematic use of those cards wouldn't be a bad thing anyway. Okay. Well, that's interesting. Obviously, that's uh, one of many possible strategies. Now, I've heard many people tell me throughout the course of the weekend that there was something along the lines of Archer is God and Sean Hawkins is his prophet being said at the event. <laughs> yeah, I'm the one who wrote that on the, uh, on the whiteboard. To, would you care to go into a little detail about Sean and how he works with Archer and why it's so divine? <laughs> uh, well, it, 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 where Sean Hawkins comes in is, is in the cards that should prevent Archer from being such a beast. And that's Secret Identity and the Caretaker's Yes. Uh, and he wasn't nice. All these cards that were designed to get rid of singular powerhouse personnel. Um, because of Sean Hawkins being worded the way he is, where he says, when you are about to lose command of, um, there's just no way to get rid of Archer. It doesn't matter if you return the hand, if you try and kill him, if you try and put on a play or return him to the deck. Sean Hawkins stops him and another Mako or two copies of himself, and that's over with. And, and even worse, with Secret Identity, you can bring in Sean Hawkins to the away team and then stop him before Archer goes away. So a lot of players were really surprised by that. They, that interaction hadn't sort of made the, made it into the meta yet. So people were still playing Secret Identity 
and then being horrified when when not only would Archer not go away, but this new person would prevent him from ever leaving play. Well, is that is that the problem with Archer then? I mean, if if the dilemmas that should be stopping him are completely unable to stop him, is it Sean Hawkins that should be being looked at, or Archer? Uh, I don't know. Um, I mean, you could just go with Sean Hawkins and say, when a personnel president is about to be killed, and then you would only target the tragic turn stuff. Um, but I still think the fact that Archer just eliminates a certain dilemma type that a lot of players are still going to want to play um, isn't necessarily a good thing. Fair enough. So, well, I think one or the other would rebalance the meta. But together, they're, they're a problem. Okay, Tyler, so let's talk about your day two deck. Alright. Why don't you just tell us the story of this deck? How did you come up with the idea? How did you test it? What did you test it against all the way through your, your playing it in day two? Well, uh, the idea for this deck actually started, uh, really the moment make, or the moment that Will of the Collective decided on the VR headset. Um, so I, I was sort of working off of the, just the text only version of that, um, a long time ago. And, uh, my original idea was to just use Turan and Friction to have people play personnel at their headquarters, they'd be stopped, and then Turan can come over and kill them and then get bounced with the headset. Um, but that really didn't pan out. Um, Delquatic Klingons and Borg and Voyager just didn't make that a viable enough strategy. So it wasn't until Peak Performance came out that I was able to revive the idea and Wayun was just a gift from the heavens for that. Um, you know, because he, he fills that that strategy gap that I had in that deck perfectly. Um, and on top of that, Peak Performance gave Tarek Nor the tools to solve probably the two easiest missions in the game and get a full win. So uh, once I knew that, you know, it was pretty easy getting the deck together. Um, Testing-wise... Um, I played it in the uh, in the peak performance release tournament here, um, and and it won, and that was good. But I, I was still playing against mostly Starfleet decks, so I, I didn't. I still wasn't getting that feel of how powerful it really was. Um, and then uh, the week prior to Worlds, um, I had uh, a group of German and uh, Dutch guys come over here to Kaiserslautern, and we played about. 30 games between us in uh, 24 hours just to test everything and get all our deck ideas together. Um, and it went uh, it went 7-0 in our testing games, although Starfleet was still giving it a run for its money. So um, after we did all that, you know, I knew it was powerful. I didn't think people were going to expect it, so it seemed like the perfect day two deck. Okay. Um, when you were building it, did you know that it was as good as it was? No. No, not at all. Um, because I, I, the decks I was playing it against, you know, a lot of them, you know, either had the speed or the counter disruption to, to make it, uh, to make it still a, a very active game. Um, it's like, I, I remember playing in the release tournament and, 
and having closer games, I feel like, than I had at Worlds. Um, some of the players uh, at Worlds just, uh, they, they were playing interactive decks that they just weren't fast enough to, to really counteract it. And I didn't understand how prohibitive that was going to be. Well, at what point did you realize that, did you have that, oh crap moment, that this might be something really bad? Um, well, I think it was, it was really a day two when, when Neil Timmons was just like, wow, I, I have no shot here. Um, I mean, uh, until then, until then, I didn't really understand the extent. So one of the questions that people that weren't at Worlds have asked is, if this deck is so broken, why didn't it win? So why didn't you win? I'm not not accusing or anything. I'm just curious. What what caused you not to win the game in your finals? Well, um, Tobias Rossman, obviously, is a very good player. Um, and he was in our our playtesting group prior to Worlds, the, uh, the Manhattan Project, as we called it. Um, so he had seen the deck in action. He knew he knew what was going on, and he knew that Starfleet was really the only thing with the speed and the uh, kill avoid- avoidance uh, to get past it. So uh, he he was just able to uh, in our first game he was able to edge me out um, with getting rid of just enough of my Jemadar so that I couldn't play the entrenchments and. Uh, he had a really good draw at his first space mission. Uh, his one admiral uh, happened to be the only leadership that survived, so he was able to get through dignitaries of witnesses. Um, and so he was able to edge me out in the first game. And then the second game, uh, not really close at all. He uh, he was able to get two grappling traps before I had uh, our death is glory to the founders. Um, so I tried to play my first two copies of Friction. Uh, he nuked both of them. And, and after that, I, I couldn't prevent him from getting out Archer and the leadership people he needed to, to cruise through his missions. So your, your deck list is posted. Can you give us a short how to play this deck so people can take a look at it out there? Sure. Um, the first few turns is just downloading, um, using Mavec and Wayun and Ducat to, to get the cards you need. Um, turn three, four, if you play Odo, um, and get out some extra equipment, so you've got the Matlas and the headset, uh, uh, turn, you know, four or five-ish. Um, and after that, you know, hopefully you need a bustling and start recycling Wayun, um, and he can get rid of, uh, whoever your biggest threat is, whether that be somebody who's preventing kills so that the, uh, the Van Bruen pile can take out his people, or uh, leadership people so dignitaries and witnesses can do what it needs to do. Um, and from there, you're just trying to build enough Jem'Hadar to go out there and attempt missions. Um, and it's always tough because Charakner is never going to get past Gamtu or where no one's gone before. Um, so I, I never I never attempted a mission with more than six people. Uh, it was just six people and Damar uh, and Tele, you know, once I had a dilemma under every time. So you're just doing those small attempts trying to turn through the two and, and get the bonus points for a ruling council. So the idea is you're denying your opponent leadership and you're solving two easy missions with the bonus points for the win. Right. 
what what is it about that that makes it so that you don't i mean just on the face of it that doesn't sound like it's such a negative play experience or so broken what is it about that that set of sequences that's going on that makes it so that people like neil and john just didn't have a chance a lot of the cards in the game are about reaching a, a critical mass of certain kinds of personnel. Um, like against Neil, you know, for Maquis, that's, that's Federation Maquis people with trans stars. So you can fly the Defiant. Or the Cardassians, just six Cardassians, period. Um, and as when Yoon's able to cycle, you can take out those critical groups of people and make it harder for your opponent to play sort of their staple cards that will keep them going through the game. So you can, I've looked at the deck. You can do, you can essentially deny two personnel a turn, one with Wayun and one with Turan. Uh, Turan, I I used very rarely actually, um, because because you have to play him with the headset. You can't just get him into play. Um, it's harder to it's harder to draw him and draw the other card you need and have somebody you want to kill all in the right order. Um, it's it's just not as efficient as Wayun is. So Wayun is just going to get rid of one so, turn then, right? Right. So normal. So normally, I was only doing one personnel turn. It, it, okay. So so let, let's take the the way the deck works now. How do you beat it? What is is just pure speed going to beat it? Is is you know like a weenie deck or or something along those lines? A, a big threat yeah. to you? A- anything with at what cost? Um, is going to go a lot faster, and that's going to do better. Um, I was kind of afraid to face uh, like a DS9, um, uh, not I guess a holding cell deck, some sort of re-supported interactive thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that would have done pretty well. Um, and then Starfleet, of course, is the other matchup that's got the speed to do it. Um, but uh, the slower interactive decks, really have trouble getting off the ground. Okay. Um, does Transport Crash Survivor ruin your day since you're, you're... You said your biggest attempt was with six people. Does does Transport Crash Survivor make it harder for you to do your thing? Or is it just a minor inconvenience? Uh, it's minor. Because attempting with six people is usually not what you want anyway. Because even if there's one or two dilemmas under... You still want to go with a couple extra in case you draw something you can play and, and stop you. You've still got some people left. So, the broken word has been thrown around. Uh, John Corbett described it as 90% of the Berlin Wall. What, as the creator of the deck and one of the people who played it, what do you think? What are your thoughts on this deck? Um, is, is it broken? I think it's I think it's too strong. I think it's too strong um, for the meta. For the meta as it currently sits, it's going to unbalance things, and it doesn't need to be. It doesn't need to be eliminated like as a deck type the way Galgathong was, um, because I I don't think it's it's not unbeatable and it's not impossible to play against. I think it just needs to come down a notch so that it's any it's like any other interactive deck out there 
that, that still has a has a shot against anything, and anything else has a shot against it. All right. So, uh, if you were driving the boat of the rules committee, how would you steer them to fix this deck? Uh, you know, I'm not really sure on that yet because because friction and bustling, you know, those are two cards that that are useful to other decks besides the Tarak Norwin. I don't think. Anybody wants to rattle those cards? Um, I, the way Yoon would probably be the easiest way, but he's not going to prevent future problems because anybody with an order ability, so that Cardassian's order of dominion, is going to potentially be abused by the headset. So I, I think the headset is where people have to look and find a way for the the recurring people won't just come back time after time after time to cause the same problem. Okay, I mean, have you, and it's fine if you haven't, but have you had any thoughts about how you might do that? Uh, no. Because there's, there's already so much text on the headset. It, I'm not sure how to change what the headset does without changing the whole idea of the headset in the first place. Okay, so talking about worlds in general, in spite of this potential negative experience for people, did 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 you have a good time at the event? Did you was it worthwhile? Oh yeah, yeah, um, and especially especially at the side events. The side events were a great time. Uh, orbital shift on the first day was great. Uh, multiplayer is always fun, um, and I know everyone was having fun. Now. I think it'd be uh, side events in between. Um, and Tribbles. Tribbles was a great time. Tribbles is a lot of fun. People need to play yeah. more Tribbles. So, um, I, uh, I, I played a battle deck. Um, didn't work out so well. You know, live by the sword, die by the sword. But, uh, it's fun. The battle deck is, is one of those ones where you're either gonna win big or you're gonna not score a single point. So. Yeah, and I, I got the big old zero. <laughs> <laughs> so. The, 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 the decision that's caused up some controversy was releasing peak performance before Worlds. What are your thoughts on that? Was it a mistake? And, no. you know, you're not going to hurt my feelings, so tell it like it is. No, I don't think so. Um, I think like any expansion, I mean, you know, people are, are going to only have a certain amount of time to, to prep for their next tournament. And if they don't, well, you know, then that's just going to be the way it is. Um, Yeah. Do you think peak? Do you think peak performance was a poorly designed or poorly tested expansion? No, no, I'm not inclined to blame the designers or the playtesters for those sorts of things because with every expansion. There's more cards in the pool, and the potential interactions just get greater and greater. So, so when these kind of things happen, I really, I really don't blame the designers because they, they have to consider, you know, thousands of cards now for for every given card that they make. So, 
I feel like they they did a they did a great job producing an expansion that looks great and plays great. Um, you know, there it just created some problems with the map. So, so is it really that there's really? Sorry, that was poorly said. Are there just a few problems with it, and most of it is really solid and really fun, or do you think that there are enough problems with it that something more more serious should be done? Oh, I I think there's only a few problem cards. Um, I think the dilemmas in particular were great. Um, I'm very impressed with with the fact that they were able to make skill dilemmas that are now usable. Um, because prior to this expansion, um, especially after like uh, uh, Favor the Bold, um, skill dilemmas were really looking like like sort of second rate cards. So uh, so I'm glad they were able to able to revitalize that in the game. Well, is there anything else on your mind that you would like to talk about, or do you have any questions for me based on your time at Worlds, or anything on your mind? Uh, no, I, I'm just, I'm really happy with the event. I think it went off great. Um, I, I know Thomas Schneider and, and the rest of the committee uh, they really went all out on this, and, and I really appreciate their efforts, because uh, I think it was been the biggest tournament I know of the Trek CC era, and certainly uh, one of the biggest ever, so very cool. Excellent. Well, thank you for sitting down and chatting with me for the last 50 minutes or so. I, I Again, congratulations on your second place finish. You did a great job and I, I hope that you're still hope you got some sleep and you're getting back into the rhythm of things after such a great weekend so oh yeah yeah um all right looking forward to the next time when i left l.a i was 34 leaving trouble Uncertainty behind the errors and pitfalls of my youth. The present it made a neatly drawn line. New York was like being born again, which means a rough adolescence can't be far behind. A lesson learned is a lesson forgotten. Tremors and aftershocks pain.